You're listening to the Light for Living podcast, featuring the sermons of Emmanuel Baptist Church in El Dorado, Arkansas, where Dr. Clark Whitney serves as senior pastor. Join us for verse-by-verse messages through the life-changing Word of God. Along the way, we'll also feature devotional thoughts, Bible studies, and interviews, all designed to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. If you have a Bible, I invite you to take it out and turn to the book of Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. What a good time of worship we had with Jim up there playing his electric guitar in a leather vest. I thought we had the third member of Brooks and Dunn here this morning. (laughs) You'll have to forgive me. I've dealt with some congestion this week and traveled with two little kids. So uh, uh, my mind... And my voice are going to hold up. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. And we are going full blast, it seems like, into the Christmas season. And don't think that I've forgotten about Revelation. uh, But we're going to have a standalone sermon today that the Lord put on my heart on Monday. I I believe, if only for one person today, it's, it's worth it. And I believe that it will be a blessing to all of you as it was to me as I studied and preached it to myself. And after this, we'll have a a series on Christmas and what it means that we've been given the greatest gift, but the gift that God's given us to be a blessing to others as well. And you'll see a little bit more what that means. And then we might hop right back into Revelation in January. We'll see. But I want to give you one piece of advice that if you forget everything else about the sermon today, forget everything you learned, everything you heard, I want you to remember this one thing. This one piece of wisdom This golden nugget of advice from your pastor will see you all the way through the stress of the Christmas season. Are you ready? Very simple. Stress, stressed, and desserts are the same word if you spell it backwards. Stress spelled backwards, stressed, is desserts. So the key for you to see yourself through... The, the, all the pressure, the hustle, the bustle, the lines, the busy calendar, the, the, the spending and all the gifts you got to wrap are desserts. Okay? Will you remember that? All right. That didn't go over too well, but it was funnier in my head. The time between Thanksgiving and New Year's sees a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety. For some of us, it even brings depression. The National Institute for Mental Health found that 64% of people living with mental illness say that their issues get worse around the holidays. Whether you have a mental illness or not, there's increased pressure, there's increased anxiety, sometimes there's heartbreak, sometimes there's even depression. And I don't want to tell you today that there's one silver bullet for every issue, but I do know that that our mental issues are, are often, almost always, spiritual issues. You can only solve spiritual issues with spiritual solutions. And that's not to exclude doctors and medicine and and therapy and Christian counseling. And so don't hear me say anything like that today. But any solution to a problem of anxiety or depression has to begin and end and line up with the Word of God. And I want to give you some answers today to this question. How can I find peace from holiday stress and depression? How can I find peace from the stress and depression that so often surrounds the holidays? 
I'm going to answer it with three questions. The first question is going to set up God's Word. The second question, we're going to dive into God's Word together. And the third question, I'm going to leave with you. I saw a sign when I was shopping one day, and the sign said, "'Tis the season for forced family fun." Some of us feel that way with our gatherings, but I want to help you today with the shorter days and it getting darker early. Uh, It may not all be holly jolly for you and I. I I pray that this will give you joy and peace as we look at the Word of God. In Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul was writing from jail. He was writing from a Roman prison, surrounded by, in Philippians chapter 1, he says, the Praetorian Guard. This would have been like the Navy SEALs of of Caesar, the ones that guarded him, his personal bodyguards, but also the ones who guarded those who were awaiting sentencing and most likely execution. And there's uh, different opinions on where Paul wrote from. I believe it was Rome towards the end of his life because Paul was frequently in trouble for Jesus. And he's writing to a church in Philippi, a church that he loved. And he wants to give them some encouragement And think about his situation. You say, Pastor, you don't know my situation today. You don't know the stress and anxiety and the heartbreak. You don't know anything that I've gone through. That's right. That's right. But I'll tell you today that God knows. And I'll tell you today that Paul was writing from a pretty dark circumstance too. And here's what he wrote under the inspiration and the authority of the Holy Spirit. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. If you got it, say got it. And it'll be on your screen too. The Bible says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together this morning. God, we thank You that You are the Prince of Peace God, you are the author of life. We can cast all of our cares on you because you care about us. So whatever situations we face, God, as we go throughout the holiday season, it sometimes reminds us of a loved one who's passed away or a child who's far from home or an estranged relationship or maybe God just even just increased stress with a schedule that's so busy. God, we pray we would have peace from you. We would walk with you. And we would know your presence even this morning, even this moment. God, we pray you would increase, that we would decrease. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. We pray that we would see him high and lifted up. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. First question, why do the holidays often bring increased stress and sometimes even depression into our lives? What is it about the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, that often brings anxiety, stress. Well, I want to tell you today, every family has issues. Every family has issues. How do I know that? My family has issues. You got issues. I got issues. All God's children got issues. If you got an issue, grab a tissue. Okay, that one went over better than the first one. 
Every family has struggles. Uh, we all have uh, sin in, in our families. Sometimes the sin problem is with us. Sometimes other people sin against us. Sometimes frustrating things happen just because sin's in the world, like uh, sickness or illness, or, or my little girl this morning has RSV. That, that's no fun. We all have our issues in our family. The issues look different, but nevertheless, we all got them. Many families are dysfunctional. No joke, I saw a t-shirt one time that said this, my family puts the fun in dysfunctional. I don't know how true that is. If you live in a dysfunctional family, it's probably not too fun at all. There are three unspoken rules of a dysfunctional family as I read this week. Number one, don't trust. Number two, don't talk. Number three, don't feel. Number one, don't trust. Number two, don't talk. Number three, don't feel. Uh, there's an anxiety. Everybody's on edge uh, about what you say. It might get taken the wrong way. Uh, you might be forced to accept something negative done against you. There's no open space for you to be yourself. You may have a dysfunctional family. Uh, also, families have issues because our family units have differences from our family of origin. Our family units have differences from our family of origin. You say, Clark, what in the world do you mean? Your family unit, whatever that looks like, for me it's my wife and our two children, it has, that nuclear family unit has differences from my family of origin, the family I grew up in, my mom and dad. And our family unit has differences from her mom and dad. The Bible says that in Matthew 19, 5, a man shall leave his father and mother, he's talking to the man first, and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. When a, a marriage is covenant is made in the sight of God, there is a new family unit formed. And sometimes the leaving and cleaving is a little painful. And sometimes there's differences. And, and sometimes it's not better or worse, it's just different. Let me give you an example. And I did ask my wife's permission, even though she's with, at home with my little baby girl. Uh, on Christmas Eve, growing up, we would always go to eat fajitas on Christmas Eve. That was our tradition. I suppose it was because my dad had to go uh, officiate the Christmas Eve service to do that, and, and we didn't want to cook, so we'd go eat fajitas, and we'd watch the Santa Tracker on the local news. That was pretty cool. I, I remember that. And every Christmas Eve, it doesn't feel like Christmas Eve unless I have some chips and salsa. So I, I love fajitas on Christmas Eve. My wife's family did not do that. My wife's family on Christmas Eve, they'll go to the candlelight service and they'll go home and they'll eat chili. They'll eat chili. It's not bad. It's just different. And they'll sing carols and, and do their thing. Well, well, when we made our own family unit, we had a disagreement. I wanted to go to the Mexican restaurant. She wanted to stay home. And her chili wasn't like my mama's chili. <laughs> Every family unit has differences. You're laughing because you know what that looks like. Some folks are ham. Some folks are turkey. Some folks are fried. Some of y'all fried catfish because we're close to Louisiana. We have different styles and ways of doing things. And when you put that together around the holidays, those families back together, sometimes there's friction. We also have wounds from the past. Some of our issues in our families come from wounds in the past. The holidays are a reminder, whether consciously or subconsciously, on the service or under it, 
there was some sort of past trauma, a time when we've been hurt. Sometimes there's bitterness and unforgiveness in our, 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 our holidays. At the holidays, we get together with people we don't often get together with. Sometimes that's fun, like a reunion. But somebody told me that after three days, both fish and family start to stink. Sometimes uh, we get reminded of, of things that, that have been done against us that was wrong, and maybe we haven't forgiven. Maybe we haven't given it to God. And it reminds us of those things. It, it brings up bitter feelings. Sometimes there's just simply miscommunication and misunderstandings. Maybe I wasn't listening when my wife told me our Christmas plans. And, and I had a different idea in mind. Sometimes the wound isn't even from something someone meant to do, but just a lack of communication, a lack of understanding. Sometimes there's trauma and pain. Maybe there was an accident or a medical emergency or some sort of, of thing that happened around the holidays that, that going through the motions of the season, that reminds you of those things. Sometimes it's even abuse. Sometimes the holidays, you get together with people. You might have to be in the same room you feel obligated to with someone who's abused you. And that's not fun. So all God's children have issues. We have wounds from the past. Here's a big one. While the holidays often bring us heartache and depression, there's an empty seat at the table. An empty seat at our table. It just isn't the same because someone special, someone that we love, is missing. Perhaps it's a loved one who's died. Perhaps this is the first Christmas you're celebrating without your spouse or without your mom or dad, somebody you love. The holidays are a time for family, and, and we miss those who we loved. And these memories bring back memories of them. Now, Christmas for me isn't the same without my grandparents. My grandfather loved Christmas. At one time, he had over 12 trees in his home. He loved Elvis, and he had, a no joke, a blue Christmas tree with Elvis ornaments all over it. And we're still trying to get rid of all those Elvis ornaments if you want one. But it reminds me of them. Maybe there's an empty seat at the table, not because someone's passed, but there's a prodigal that's far from home. Maybe they're not in the far country physically, but, but, but emotionally and relationally and spiritually, there's a prodigal. There's one who's wandered from home, and they're not there. You know that they're not living the life God wants them to live. You've done everything you can do. You pray many sleepless nights. You may even cry tears. Maybe they're living in a dark season and everyone around them can see it but them. Maybe there's a prodigal. Maybe it's estranged family members. Maybe you got sideways a few years ago with, with one of your extended family members and there's a distance and coldness that just seems to have grown over the years. You keep waiting for that phone to ring. Maybe they'll say Merry Christmas. You don't want to dial the phone. But there's a strange family members. There's an empty seat at the table. The holidays also often increase the pressure. Increase the pressure. What do you mean? Well, just take a toddler through Walmart and you'll see the pressure for Christmas. They want everything. There's pressure to consume and to have the latest and greatest. It wasn't enough for Black Friday. It's not just Cyber Monday. Now it's Cyber Week. Okay? It just keeps going. And I saw Black Friday stuff at the beginning of November. There's all these pressures to consume, to have the latest and greatest, to, to have the, the, the thing that is, is the hottest thing around, just like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jingle All the Way. We get flooded with advertisements to try to get our hard-earned money. There's financial pressure, lots of gifts to buy, lots of food to buy. 
Lots of decorations to buy. There's physical pressure. A busier schedule often brings us increased stress. Staying up late to finish that holiday meal or to wrap the presents. Rush to get the kids where they need to be. Often also brings mental and emotional pressure. It goes hand in hand with the physical. We feel mentally spent and emotionally exhausted. So I think I probably touched on something that hit a little close to home for you because I know it did for me. The holidays can bring us an increased stress and depression, but God has an answer for our stress and anxiety and depression no matter what season it is. And I want to give you that answer, and I want to ask this question. How does God want us to respond to holiday stress and anxiety? How does God want us to respond to holiday stress and anxiety? Remember, Paul was writing from prison. His circumstances were very dark. I want you to know this morning from God's Word... I cannot always choose my circumstances, but I can always choose joy. You and I cannot always choose our circumstances, but we can always choose joy. If we know Jesus, we have the presence of God in us. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and all the things that follow. When you and I have the presence of God and we yield our lives to him and his power, he gives us the joy that we need in the circumstance. Paul was in prison, but even in prison, he had the presence of God. The Bible says in Psalm 16, 11, in your presence is fullness of joy. In the presence of God is fullness of joy. Whether you're in a prison or a palace, whether it's just a Hallmark Christmas or a blue one, in his presence is fullness of joy. Happiness and circumstances change. They fluctuate. They go up and down. Our friends come and go. Our finances go up and down. Our health even changes. Some days it's good, some days it's bad. Happiness is found in the things around us, but joy is found in who is above us. Happiness is found in the things around us, which can easily fade away. But our joy is found in the one who is above us, the source of our life, the one who never changes. And the Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the eternal God. And so I don't have to be happy to have joy. I don't have to be happy to trust God with it. I don't have to be happy to have joy in it. And I don't even have to be happy to get through it. This is what Paul said in prison. Verse 4, always be full of joy in the Lord. When you're full of the Spirit, you can be full of joy. If you're not happy, that's okay. If your circumstances are bad and uncertain, that's okay too. You can still have joy. You can be full of joy. God is not going to command you to do something that He doesn't give you the resources to do. You say, you don't know what it's like to love that family member that just gets on my last nerves. They remind me of Cousin Eddie. They just never leave. Well, God will see you through. He'll fill you up. He will give you the strength that you need. You stay walking with him. And Paul said, from prison, the presence of God, always be full of joy in the Lord. Always be full of joy in the Lord. And he said, I say it again, rejoice. I want to ask you this question. Is your perspective based on what's around you 
or on who is in you? Is your perspective, your joy, based on what's around you? Or is it based on who is in you? The presence of God. Number two, the number one, I cannot always choose my circumstances, but I can choose joy. If you know Jesus. Number two, I cannot control what others do, but I can control what I do. I can't control what other people do to me, but I can control my response. More accurately, I can allow the Holy Spirit to control me. And I can't control my situation. I can't make that other person act right. I, I, I can't make them do right around the holidays for even the kids' sake. I, I can't do that. That's out of my control. That, that's on God. That's between them and God. I can, can control myself, and I can be self-controlled by being controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul said. He, he couldn't control that he was in prison. He couldn't control what those guards did to him. But he said, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Your translation may say, let your gentleness be evident to all. What does that word gentle mean or, or, or considerate? It means reasonable, fair-minded, charitable, letting go of little grievances and, and little tiffs and faults. Letting God free you from the past by trusting Him and allowing Him to deal with that person who's wronged you. And, and Paul said, let everybody see, not just somebody, not just the people you want to be kind to, let everybody see all around you your gentleness. Let it be evident that even if they're not a Christian, they will see something different in you because you have the Holy Spirit. You have the joy and the presence and the peace. And he says, let everyone see that and remember the Lord is coming soon. Now, when we read that, it kind of seems like the back half of that is a little out of place. But here's the truth there. When we are reminded that Jesus is coming again, and when he comes again, everything wrong will be made right. As J.R.R. Tolkien, the author of Lord of the Rings, said, everything sad will one day be untrue. And when Jesus comes again, the sad will be untrue, the wrong will be right, the sick will be healed, the dead will be raised, the dysfunction will be healed and, and all right and straightened out. And every wrong will be made bare in the eyes of him who judges all the earth. And God is in control. And when I realize I'm not in control, and he is, and he's coming back, and even though I can't see it, he's going to make it all right, then I can trust him. Then I can trust him. And I can control what I do. Philippians 2, 4 said, he said, Paul said, Look, each of you out not only for your own interest, but for the interests of others. Look out for other people. Look out for other people. Number three, worry is my enemy. Worry is my enemy, but God is my portion. Worry is the enemy of your soul. Now, there's a difference between worry and responsibility. You say, I worry just so I, I, I won't get hurt or I won't have something break. Well, worrying is about something you can't control. And sometimes we're control freaks, and, and we need to take responsibility for our health and our finances and our families. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a, a burden, an anxiety. Worry is like a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. Worry is like a rocking chair. You can sit and wallow in your worry till kingdom come, but it's not going to get you anywhere. Not for one minute. 
Jesus said, worry doesn't accomplish anything. And if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. If it's big enough for me to get frustrated and anxious and concerned, then it's big enough for me to bring to God. The Bible says to cast all of our cares on him because he cares about us. I read uh, recently there's over 500 defined phobias, our fears and anxiety. You may be familiar with claustrophobia, the fear of small spaces. That, that one is, is, hits close to home. I don't like it being cramped. Ophidiophobia, the fear of snakes. Anybody afraid of snakes? Acrophobia, the fear of heights. This is, a, this is one I didn't even know I had till I read it. Arachibutriophobia, the fear of having peanut butter stick to the roof of your mouth. I didn't even, some of y'all are afraid right now. Fear is all around us. Did you know we consume five times the amount of information that people did 50 years ago? And often the messages we receive from uh, media and smartphones and screens and, and driving around, we see fear. And that fear is not neutral. It influences us. It makes us worry. It puts us on the rocking chair. But God gives us an antidote to worry and anxiety. Prayer. I want you to see today that prayer is the greater work. It's a command of God to don't worry about anything. Instead, in the place of worry, pray. Take your worries to the only one who can do something about it. Pray about everything. Some people say, well, the least I can do is pray for you. The most you can do is pray for me. The most you can do. When we pray, we line up our souls with God. We unburden ourselves of, of those things that, that are bothering us and, and, and just twisting us up and making us so anxious. And when we unburden ourselves, then we can tap into God's eternal resources of life and joy and peace. Prayer is our heart talking to God's heart. Prayer is the greater work. The greatest thing that you can do about your situation this Christmas season is to pray about it. Next, depression should drive us to desperation for God. Depression should drive us to desperation for God. There's different kinds of depression. There's seasonal depression, clinical depression. And as I said, there's a place for, for God who has made medicine and he's made doctors and he's made Christian counselors and all those wonderful things. But most of all, our depression, whatever it looks like, should drive us to a desperation for God. To say, God, I need you in this situation more than anything else, more than anything that I want or desire, God, in this dark season, I need you. That's what Paul said. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. When you need to be healed from depression or anxiety, you need to find the forgiveness, the ability to forgive someone who's wronged you, tell God. It's only when we enter a point of desperation and we fully surrender to him that he begins to show us his amazing power. You say, God, I can't do this anymore. If you don't do something, it's not going to get done. When we reach that pit, God begins to show up and show out. Next, thanking God is a weapon to fight worry. If worry is your enemy, thanking God through prayer is the antidote. Psychological study after study after study has shown what the Bible already said. When you have an increase in gratitude, 
it will decrease your symptoms of anxiety and stress. Over and over and over. If you find someone who is thankful and regularly practices gratitude, then their anxiety and depression levels will be lower. Now, it's funny that that for all the psychology we have and people saying to be grateful, many of them do not believe in God. And so who are they grateful to? You and I have a person to be grateful to, a person who is present in our lives, who's with us no matter where we go, and we can be thankful to him. Want to know a way to get rid of some stress? Go home, get a blank sheet of paper, and write out things that you are thankful for. Things that you are thankful for. If you stop at 10, get on your knees and get your heart right. Because there's more than that. We have so many things to be thankful for. Number four, God's peace is mine no matter what. God's peace is mine no matter what. No matter what happens, I know that God's peace is mine. Verse 7, then you will experience God's peace. You'll know it. Not just know about it, you'll know it. Which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels like our thoughts and our emotions are under attack. That's because they are. There is an enemy that wants to isolate you, and he wants to steal and kill and destroy you. He doesn't like what God's doing in your life. He doesn't like the healing that's going on in your family and and your family even being here at church on Sunday morning. And he wants to confuse you and distract you and discourage you. And you need a weapon to fight that. You need the peace of God. The way that we think really determines a lot of the outcome of our lives. That's what the Bible said, Proverbs 23, 7. As a man thinketh, so is he. As a man thinketh, so is he. That's not some psychobabble. When you fill your, your, your thoughts with God's thoughts, when you take every thought captive and surrender it to Jesus, and you practice gratitude and you pray and cast your cares on Him, He gives you His thoughts. And His thoughts are the most powerful thoughts in the universe. If you want to know what He thinks about you, read His Word. And when you start thinking what God thinks, as revealed in the Bible, it will change your life. It will change your life. He understands when others cannot. Say, so people do not understand what I'm walking through. He does. The Bible says in Psalm 56, 8, that you, God, keep track of all my sorrows. You have collect, collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Did you know not a tear falls from your cheek that God doesn't know about? He cares even when other people cannot. Uh, he understands when others cannot. He cares when others do not. You say, nobody cares about me. Well, he cares. 1 Peter 5, 7 says to cast our cares on him, for he cares about us. Not only does he understand when others cannot and he cares when others do not, he protects us when other people will not. He protects us when other people will not. We may wish that, that there would be somebody else step in and protect us from some sort of hurt or discouragement or disappointment. And we just wish that they would step in and take care of it for us. Well, guess what? God is the one who protects us. He's the one who gives us peace. Psalm 91 says that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. When you abide in him in the secret place, he will protect you. In verse 2, Psalm 91, I will say of the Lord, 
He is my strength and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He is your shelter in times of storm. Through the anxiety and the depression and the stress, he will give you protection. That's what his peace looks like. His understanding and his care and his protection. The last thing I want you to know today is simply this. That you and I can only get peace from God when we have peace with God. You and I can receive God's peace only when we have peace with God. And on our own, we are separated from God. The Bible calls it sin. Our sin not only has separated us, the Bible says it's made us an enemy of God. God is perfect and holy, and you and I are not. But the beauty of this season is that Jesus is the reason for the season. That God gave us what we could never get on our own. He gave us the greatest gift, the gift of himself. And that little baby born in a manger was perfect. He was holy. He was fully God. And he was fully man. And he was acquainted with all of our sorrows and griefs. And I'm sure he felt sorrow and even anxious at times and sad. But he never sinned. He never went against God. He never disobeyed God's command. He perfectly fulfilled God's law. And that baby didn't stay a baby. He was a man, a God-man, who went to the cross for you and me. And on the cross, the wrath of God was satisfied. There was a way to have peace with God through what Jesus Christ did on the cross. That you and I can receive that gift and be forgiven and have peace with the one who made us and get his peace because of what the Prince of Peace has done for us. Amen? Would you bow your heads this morning? Whatever your situation is today, the third question is this. Will you trust God to work it all out for good? He never said that it was good. Sometimes it's messed up. Sometimes we feel like there's no solution. But the Bible says that for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose, that he'll work even the hard things out, even the sadness, even the empty seats, even the, the prodigal, all the things that we experience, he will work those things even together for our good and his glory. I, I can't understand it. I can't explain it, but I can trust it. As you bow this morning, maybe you know Jesus. Maybe you just want to sit right where you're at or in a moment come to this altar and say, God, would you give me your peace? Would you guard me with your peace this Christmas season? Whatever I face, he knows. Maybe this morning uh, you don't know Jesus. There's never been a time in your life that you've turned from your sin and put your trust in him. The best thing that you can do in all of life is to accept what he's already done. Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share with a friend. We hope you'll tune back in next time to the Light for Living podcast.